Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. From time to time, someone will come to me with a question. Hey, pastor, can you recommend a good Christian counselor for me? And on, I said, well, I'm a Christian and I do some counseling. Uh, Yes, I'm available. He said, no, no, I want a a good Christian counselor. Oh, okay. Well, what leads people to ask that kind of a question about uh, wanting a counselor? In my many decades of pastoral ministry, um, reflecting upon them, I made up a little list that I want to share with you today about some of the issues in managing life and the inner thought life, behaviors, etc., and um, where people tend to feel that things are just getting out of control and they need some help. Well, okay, so my list. Bad marriage, followed by a worse divorce. How about abusive spouse, an abusive boyfriend, which is actually, you know, depressingly common. Naughty kids, rebellious teens, Blended family, which has been described to me as attempt, you know, setting your hair on fire and trying to put it out with a hammer. That's dealing with the, you know, the blended family. Uh, how about in general, managing relationships because people are messy, aren't we? Yeah, and um, that can be pretty difficult. And uh, how about life changes that take place, like moving? Have you ever moved? That's pretty dislocating, yes. Job changes, you know, the, the sense of, oh, I left something behind, or maybe I, I, I was even terminated, which is very depressing. Will I ever find the right job? Is this the right job? Uh, things like that. Uh, health changes, health changes. A lot of us have experienced health changes in our lives. That can be a, a bit of an issue. How about approaching death and then followed by sometimes widowhood. How about managing our behaviors? Uh, there would be substance abuse. And if there's substance abuse in the family, the whole family gets involved and become either enablers or there's a codependency and it becomes a family disease. How about feeling a disconnect? A disconnect from others, a disconnect from yourself, a disconnect from life, disconnect from God, perhaps, um, how about those feelings are, that just kind of get out of control? Sometimes, you know, feeling down, feeling depressed leads to suicidal thoughts. And how about anger that just takes over? Obsessions about things, jealousy, guilt, shame, rejection, anxiety, disorders. Yeah, feeling worthless. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. You don't have to be a, uh, have, have been deployed in the military and serving in the combat zone to have that. There are situations in life that can be tremendously disorienting and, and actually create a kind of a filter in the front part of the brain that all perceptions flow through that, ending up distorting things. That can happen. And uh, a lot of times in that People feel like they are victims. It becomes a way of life, and they don't like feeling that way, but on the other hand, it's more threatening to change because you're going to lose all that attention that you get. Making choices can be really difficult. 
get neurotic about that, the paranoid fear of making the wrong choice, feeling paralyzed about choices. How about the, the difficulty just in letting go, letting God, and, and maybe sometimes just forgiving another person because we've got to hang on to somehow that sense, I have been wronged, I've been wronged, I've been wronged. Well, I'll start off with some really bad advice. If somebody comes to you, you know, and, says, and they start unloading all of this on you, uh, sarcasm is not a good thing to, to use. Uh, like saying to them, oh, I see you didn't have your meds this morning, did you? Uh, or just, uh, you know, casually say, well, you should go to therapy. And what people are hearing you say is, you're crazy. I don't want to deal with you. And why don't you just go pay somebody to fix you? Well, what do you do? You go to, you read the advice columns? <laughs> Not very often, very good. How about the, cor the horoscope? Always bad. A good Christian counselor, yes, but today I want to talk a little bit about an excellent counselor. There is a wonderful counselor, and you've heard of him, and you know his name. His name is Jesus. How do you reach him? Well, it's really not that difficult. It's, it's pretty simple. Jeremiah talks about that. 33rd chapter, 3rd verse, he says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. As we read earlier from Isaiah, he is wonderful in counsel. That's a title that's given. It's a royal title, a royal designation. And then 700 years after that, Jesus came. And he brought with us encouragement. Encouraging words, yes, we need this encouraging counsel if we're going to navigate through this, this messy, unhealthy, confusing world. It is essential because you really cannot have fullness. You cannot have wholeness. You cannot have full health apart from this wonderful counselor who is Jesus Christ. So how do you receive that counsel from God? How can you discover in a practical way that Jesus indeed is your wonderful counselor. A little disclaimer here, I'm not attempting now to provide unlicensed mental health treatment, but just simply get us in touch with some of the things that the Bible tells us and promises about Jesus, our Savior, our counselor. I'm gonna have two simple steps to become, let's say, spiritually, and with that, more emotionally healthy. Step one is admit that there is a problem. That's always the first step, admitting I've got a problem. And you tell you about a guy who didn't admit it. And when he finally realized it, this is what he wrote. And this is actually David, the psalmist, chapter 32 of Psalms. And uh, in the third verse, it says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Denial. Ignore it. Put it under the rug. Yeah. But when he did that, things just got worse. His groaning, his insight, everything just seemed to go from bad to worse to worse until, until he recognized, I've got a problem, and he confessed his sin. Now, when did our problem originate? Now, for me, the problem originated uh, the 8th of November, the year 1938. That's when it started, okay? Um, and, and 
you know, I emerged into the world after a really, really bad experience. So uh, I was squeezed and pushed and everything. And it was really bad. And then I came out of the world, had way too much light and it was way too cold. And there was a woman who was right next to me who was groaning like she'd been something through something. Well, that was it. it but didn't they realize it's all about me? All about me. You go to the third chapter of Genesis, you see all the way back is the fall into sin. And you see, my problem was that I inherited that from our first parents, Adam and Eve. You see, they went from perfect health, perfect wholeness, into that kind of uh, sickness and brokenness that we call, the Bible actually calls sin, and we're all subject to it, and uh, we all experience it, and the negative outcomes that come as a result of that is comes from our own sin, from the sin of other people, and usually it's when those two work synergistically together, it's a real mess in our relationships and just in life in general. Uh, it, all, it makes that kind of, we'll call it the God gap. Here's the holy God and the sinful person. Big gap in between. Somehow that gap has got to be bridged. Or if I want to speak about another gap, it's that God-shaped hole. And it's going to be empty until God himself fills it because that emptiness inside is shaped exactly like God. But you know, people try to fill it with all kinds of things, you know, their ambitions, their pleasures, their, uh, you, maybe uh, sometimes alcohol, drugs, uh, food, etc. just trying to fill that up and uh, somehow feel like everything is going to be okay. So denial and avoidance of the problem can be our worst enemy. It avoids the elephant in the room, and admitting can be the first step, admitting and saying, hey, I am hurting and if we don't admit it, you know what happens? Hurting people are always hurting people. Well, we we'll go from step one, admission, to step two, which is now that inner conversation, you know, that's going on inside. You all have that, huh? Am I the only one? Okay. That inner conversation, invite God into that conversation inside of you because there are a couple of things that he provides. First of all, biblical wisdom. You see, he's provided the manual for our strength, for our health. Isaiah, the 30th chapter, I want to read a, a paraphrase of a verse from there, and it uh, goes this way. Woe to you, my rebellious children. You ask advice from everyone but me and do what I don't want you to do. Hmm. That's why a lot of problems come about. You see God's inspired word, when we said the Bible I hold, you know, useful for... No teaching, rebuking, correcting. How about training me how to live? That's what this manual is all about. Yeah, showing the way of salvation and then training us how to live. So we got to get the biblical wisdom. We got to consult the manual. Yeah, it's like, okay, something's wrong with the car. What do you do? You go back to the owner's manual. This is, folks, the owner's manual, your creator's manual. All right. Uh, and that, the next thing, it's important to understand this, and that is, what is your position before God? Okay, sin is the condition. Now we're going to talk about the position. What does the Bible tell us about that? Uh, it tells us you're a child of God. It's an identity kind of a thing. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, and let's see what it says. See what kind of love 
the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. Identity. Who are you? You are a child of God. So if that's true, if that really would be the case, would that make any, any difference in how you think about yourself, how you live your life, how you navigate through a difficult world? If I am a cherished child of God and he's going to never leave me or forsake me, he values his kids. Our picture's on his refrigerator. His drawings are on the wall. He brags about us wherever he goes. He puts you on his Facebook page all the time. Now, if I'm a child of God, there are a couple of things that I need to know, okay? First is, I am forgiven. Did you know that there isn't any past fault? Even the things you're most embarrassed about that you believe screwed up, okay? The, the, the past faults are not remembered by God, and they're never, ever held against us. The second thing that goes with forgiveness is cleansing by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if I am cleansed of my sin, forgiven and cleansed, I have no business going around not forgiving myself and wallowing around in guilt and shame. Or why should I then give in to regrets about things of my past, my past performance? Okay. Well, there are the assault of the lies. The lies are always close at hand because, you know, we have an enemy who doesn't like us. He hates us. He tries to whisper in our ears and add into the conversation. But what does he say? He says, I am unlovable. That's a lie. He says, I'm probably a failure in significant parts of my life. Another lie. Another set of lies, I will be significant if and when I have money. Or if I'm the best and if I'm at the top of the game and the most distinguished, uh, or if I never make a mistake, if my children behave well, if I'm included in important circles, and then another liar. This is what will make me secure if I have a mate who loves me, if, I, if no one ever criticizes me, if everybody accepts me, if everybody approves of everything that I do, and if I experience financial success, I'm going to feel secure, and I'm going to feel good. Hmm. Lies. God, God says, my security depends on him. Because if it says he's my father, and if I'm his child, he has put himself in a position to be responsible for us. Do you ever think about that? And then I can affirm, and I can confess, the peace of God. The peace that comes through Jesus Christ. I, not, I didn't make that up. Romans 5.1 already told us. God inspired the Apostle Paul to write this to the Romans. Since therefore we have been justified by faith, we have a present possession available right now. You don't need that 800 number or anything like that. Available right now through, with God through Jesus Christ. You know, in the Hebrew, they had a wonderful word. It was called shalom. We tend to translate that as peace, but it means wholeness, healing, fullness, completeness. Uh, it's everything that we need. And that peace can silence the voice of accusation and condemnation. And again, Paul wrote something about that, and he said, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That brings the peace. It's a supernatural source 
The peace of God, you know, you've heard of that? The peace of God that passes understanding. What comes first? You get it, you understand it first, or the peace comes as a gift first? It passes understanding. It gets ahead of understanding the relationship with Jesus Christ gives us peace. It is available. Yes, peace rather than anxiety. You know, people have anxiety about the future, about their health, about their family. But you know what? Just lay the burden down. We can do that. We have authority to do that. That's what God simply wants us to do. It's what the, the wonderful counselor tells us to do. And then we can make these positive affirmations that are based upon the word of God. And the word of God says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind. So you don't have to keep thinking the way you've always thought. But there's something inside, inside that says, uh, you know, that's the way I've always thought. That's the way it's always going to be. Uh-huh. I'm always a failure. I'm a... You don't have to think that way. You are under absolutely no obligation. You're now in freedom to think in a different way. You can reject rejection. You don't have to accept it. You can be happy. You can be optimistic with a perspective on life that begins to attack fear of failure and rejection. And you know what? Along with that, I can tolerate criticism. You know, criticism wants to make you feel insecure and make you feel like a failure. But when you know your true identity and what your true destiny is, you don't have to be afraid of that. You can tolerate criticism. And your present experience is not a disaster. Why? Well, the past is already forgiven. That's been taken care of. The present is under his care. The future is also under his control. And what has God prepared for those who love him? Eye has not seen or ear heard or the mind of man even imagined the beautiful thing that it is intended for us. So I can, and in the meantime, I don't have to be impatient. Those that wait on the Lord, Isaiah 40 says, shall renew their strength. And, uh, and in Psalm 46, it says, be still and know that I am God. So I can know. Things are going to work out even though they don't look always really good. He's going to provide every resource I need as I wait for these promises to be fulfilled in my life. We can overcome fear about the future uh, because it is in far better hands than our own hands. Yeah, there are negative emotions that come, those negative emotions that want to assail us, traumas that are fearful and that are damaging and so forth to us. But what happens in Christ? We can react. We don't have to react in unhealthy ways, but we can respond in faith and trust this word where Jesus, it's promised in Jesus through the prophet Isaiah, 53rd chapter of his prophecy with his stripes, the stripes, the wounds, the suffering of our wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ, by his we are healed. I didn't make that up. That's his. And so, as our wonderful counselor, yeah, he empowers us with his Holy Spirit to renounce all those evil powers and dark aspects of our world, take authority over them, and find rest, peace, security, because our feet are on the rock.